I like Jeff Manns. Fantasy Alarms Jeff Manns is a kindred spirit. On the last show, I criticized a beloved sports broadcaster, Ernie Johnson. Beloved! How dare you! And I remembered when the last time I heard a fantasy sports analyst criticize a beloved mainstream sports broadcaster. It was just last month. While the Cubs were shocking the world, even though it wasn't a shock at all because they spent many years tanking and building their farm system and then overpaying for free agents. But so they shocked the world. Shocking. The Cubs shocked the world. And anyone affiliated with the Chicago Cubs was praised, celebrated. But there was Jeff Manns, ready to dismiss the praise of Harry Carey. And I loved it. As the Cubs were winning the World Series, Jeff Manns brought to our attention that Harry Carey was a self-serving, egomaniacal, misogynist, career destroyer. A sports broadcasting mercenary. Loyal to no one but himself. That was a hot take in fantasy sports. That was a hot take on Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 87 Fantasy Sports Radio. You don't get many of those very often. It was hot and it was interesting. As the Cubs are winning the World Series, Jeff Manns was there to remind you that Harry Carey is overrated. Boom! And I'm here to remind you that Richard Blumenthal lied about going to Vietnam. Yes. Contrarian opinions given at the most difficult time to be contrarian. And the moment Jeff Manns finishes his critique of Harry Carey, what is the feedback he receives on the SiriusXM hotline? Can you guess? Start three of these four. Booker, West, Riddick, or West. <laughs> Welcome to Fantasy Sports Radio, where the listeners play smothering defense against interesting content. Yes. Jeff Manns waded way out into the waters of contrarianism and interesting sports content, and he was hit in the face with a wave of start-sit questions. That's just... That was so fantasy sports... What a wet fart. It happens to me all the time. I will be interacting with a couple other analysts, either debating something interesting or cracking jokes on the topic. And what inevitably comes dropping out of the sky? Wet fart start sit tweets. Start three of these four. Booker West, Ridiker West. Which West, first of all? God damn you people! One of the best things I ever did was to implement a no-tolerance policy for start-sit questions. Zero tolerance. Sometimes I'll have the response queued up on my phone because it's just a reflex reaction, and then I will delete it rather than sending it out of principle. Because fuck your start-sit questions, run your own fantasy team, and why don't you instead try to stimulate my intellect and, in the process potentially help me create more interesting content for the show instead of just lobbing over some entitled self-serving start-sit question. Who the hell are you to think that I'm here to serve you for free? 
hell out of here. I don't know why Sirius XM takes those calls. I would call the phone company and cancel the phone line because I wanted the Jeff Mann's angst-ridden, Harry Carey fireball to start rolling down the mountain. And what did we get instead? Booker West, Ritiker West. <coughs> we got to make sure we put the brakes on the interesting content at Sirius XM and go to a caller the moment we start to get some momentum because that collar will inevitably destroy any momentum the show has. That's why on this show, no collars, ever. Just a weird entitlement. You're here to answer my questions for free. What? I exist on social media to stimulate others and be stimulated with interesting viewpoints and information. And if you want to interact with me, you have to stimulate me or I'll mute you. That's how it works. I'm not here to be used like a fantasy football prostitute, you social media entitled dirtbags. Contact the show at Roto Underworld or email. <laughs> I can't. I broke character. Ah! <laughs> email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. This was an interesting email. What do you think about the midstream zero RB conversion? So if you didn't go zero RB on draft day, can you convert to zero RB using trades as the season progresses? And the answer is absolutely yes. When a running back starts trending in the wrong direction, more often than not, they're doomed. Look at CJ Anderson, Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller. None of those backs are going to return RB1 value and the warning signals were emanating starting in week one. But wide receivers are much more volatile week to week and a poor performance in week one or week two isn't nearly as actionable as a poor performance from a running back in week one or week two. Just look at Odell Beckham Jr. Look at Golden Tate. Stretches of bad games throughout the season does not doom a wide receiver like it can doom a running back. Jeremy Lankford. So if you went first round running back and you sense that that running back is in an untenable situation like Todd Gurley where all external forces are working against him or you sense that that running back isn't a generational talent like Lamar Miller, then you should immediately pivot and trade for a wide receiver like T.Y. Hilton after a disappointing week one performance from your running back. Because you can then trade for one of the league's best wide receivers in his prime on a high pass volume offense, T.Y. Hilton. Or later in the season, you could have traded a running back trending in the wrong direction for T.Y. Hilton's teammate, Dante Moncrief. Moncrief has an even more exciting talent profile in the same situation as T.Y. Hilton. So the midstream zero RB conversion is not just possible, it's recommended. You needed to get out of those bad investments on Lamar Miller and Todd Gurley as early as possible. Because the wide receivers that Todd Gurley can fetch now, oof. Not T.Y. Hilton. Let's put it that way. Buzzard writes in, Do you think Ladarius Green and Tyrod Taylor will win people championships this year? Again, not a start-sit question. I think Ladarius Green will win people championships this year because think about the Steelers' offense. Their number two receiver is now Eli Rogers. The Steelers have banished Sammy Coates for his drops, just like the Green Bay Packers banished Jeff Janis for his one drop. And the tight end position is anything but loaded with proven performers. We have Rob Gronkowski, if he's healthy. We have Jordan Reed, if he's healthy. That's a huge question. 
what are the odds that Jordan Reed plays every game in the fantasy playoffs? I'd give one-to-one odds to that proposition. That leaves Delani Walker, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, and Tyler Eifert. Six guys. Six tight ends you're confident will give you a double-digit performance on any given week during the fantasy playoffs. So in a 12-team league, there are six teams that don't have trusted, proven performers at the tight end position. You could say Travis Kelsey, but he's only averaging 11.8 fantasy points per game. He's barely a tight end one in fantasy. So don't give me Travis Kelsey. Can Ladarius Green post 12 fantasy points per game throughout the fantasy playoffs? Absolutely. That makes him a top 10 tight end, possibly top five, depending on the health of the top guys I just listed. Jordan Reed and Rob Gronkowski miss games in the fantasy playoffs. It's conceivable that Ladarius Green is a top five tight end in December. Look at his profile. He's big, 6'6", athletic, runs a 4'5", 340. That's a 116.4, 92nd percentile height-adjusted speed score. Average agility, above-average burst. He's an incredible athlete. That's why the Steelers signed him away from the Chargers. The Chargers wanted to re-sign Ladarius Green, but they didn't want to pay him what the Steelers wanted to pay him. And the Steelers wanted to pay him because he is one of the few game-changing players at the tight end position. 10-19, 83rd percentile catch radius for Ladarius Green. When Ladarius Green was on the field in San Diego, he looked like a more athletic version of Antonio Gates. In his first game back, three receptions, 30 yards, 75% catch rate. If you miss nine games, I don't expect anything more than that. The first week back is an acclimation week, and Ladarius Green's Week 10 performance was best-case scenario. I'm buying Ladarius Green. While others may be holding on to Jack Doyle, somehow hoping he repeats his performances from early in the season, holding on to Kyle Rudolph, holding on to Zach Miller, holding on to Jason Witten, while others hold and hope with their tight end, be aggressive, go out, acquire Ladarius Green, a tight end that can be a difference maker in that Steelers offense. Because when Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, Ben Roethlisberger throws for three or more touchdowns per game. Ben Roethlisberger led the NFL in yards per game last year with more than 325. The only thing stopping Ben Roethlisberger from leading the league in touchdowns per game last year was random chance. According to probabilities, he should have. It just didn't work out because, hello, football. So yes, I want the upper percentile, size-adjusted athlete operating in a Ben Roethlisberger offense. Yes, that's something I would like. Thank you. If you're looking for a tight end with difference-making upside, look no further than Ladarius Green. If you're looking for a tight end in the best possible situation to score fantasy points, look no further than Ladarius Green. If you're looking for a tight end on the waiver wire that can help you win a championship, look no further than Ladarius Green. What about Tyrod Taylor? Same principle applies. Tyrod Taylor is the Ladarius Green of quarterbacks. Outside the top five quarterbacks, from Cam Newton to Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Colin Kaepernick. Quarterbacks are averaging under 20 fantasy points per game. It's not a high bar to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And Tyrod Taylor has the dynamism at the position to do it. He doesn't have the most accurate deep ball, 25% deep ball completion percentage. That's 26th in the league, but he's throwing it deep a lot. 
43 deep ball attempts is top 10 in the league. He's an aggressive downfield thrower, and he's an aggressive rusher, number one in the NFL in rushing yards for quarterbacks with 362. A dynamic athlete who plays the position aggressively, that's how fantasy points are created. They're not created with Ryan Tannehill four-yard slants to Jarvis Landry. They're created by Tyrod Taylor pushing the ball downfield to Marquise Goodwin and then running for first downs whenever an opening presents itself. That's what you want. Long touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Those are where the points come from for fantasy quarterbacks. While he's not necessarily accurate throwing it downfield, Tyrod Taylor is efficient. Top 12 in production premium player profilers, situation agnostic efficiency metric. Looking at every given down and distance, how does this quarterback perform against league average? Plus 4.4 for Tyrod Taylor. That's top 12. Top 10 total QBR. Top 10 fantasy points per drop back. Top 5 air yards per attempt. And if Sammy Watkins comes back for the fantasy playoffs, even at less than 100%, that will further improve Tyrod Taylor's potential to help you win a fantasy championship. And how much would wide receivers like Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins love to have Tyrod Taylor? It was once thought that Sammy Watkins was banished to Buffalo, suffer under the tyranny of E.J. Manuel. Tyrod Taylor has been an offensive savior for the Buffalo Bills. And boy, could Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins use a savior right now. We once thought Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins were immune to bad quarterback play. That narrative was pervasive throughout the offseason because Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins were top five wide receivers last year with bad quarterbacks. But this year, Allen Robinson's quarterback hasn't changed, and it was thought that DeAndre Hopkins received a quarterback upgrade. Not so. Either way, bad quarterback play is throttling numerous once elite fantasy wide receivers right now. And it's not surprising. It's a symbiotic relationship. We talk about the symbiotic relationship between the offensive line run blocking and the running back's efficiency. The same is true with the wide receiver and the quarterback. It's intuitive. If the quarterback is throwing accurate passes, it's much easier to convert those into catches and touchdowns and fantasy points. If the quarterback is generally inaccurate, it's much more challenging to convert those catches. And then the fantasy points never materialize. That's what's been happening to Allen Robinson. That's what's been happening to DeAndre Hopkins. And there were cases for drafting Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins before last year. The argument was, well, we've seen great fantasy years from wide receivers shackled with bad quarterbacks. Josh Gordon did it a few years back with Brandon Whedon and Brian Hoyer. Anquan Bolden had more than 100 receptions as a rookie with Jeff Blake at quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Except there's one problem with the assumptions that I just put forth. Brian Hoyer's not actually a bad quarterback. Just ask DeAndre Hopkins. 2003, Anquan Bolden. 2013, Josh Gordon. And 2015, Allen Robinson. Those were not fantasy seasons you should expect. Those were outliers. So often, fantasy gamers suffer under the tyranny of outliers. And I'm susceptible to it, too. We need to go back to what's intuitive. What just makes sense. Stop chasing wide receivers tethered to bad quarterbacks. Chase wide receivers tethered to good to great quarterbacks. Not hard. That's simple. Make fantasy football easy. That's what we try to do. If you have a choice between DeAndre Hopkins and Des Bryant, the choice was clear. Des Bryant. Because even if it's not Tony Romo, it's Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott is as good or better than Tony Romo. That's what I hear. 
I don't agree, but that's I, everyone says it, so it must be true. Except everyone also said that Harry Carey was a great guy. Jeff Manns was here to tell you, mm, no. Who else was suffering under the tyranny of bad quarterback play this year? Alshon Jeffrey. You can go ahead and cut Alshon Jeffrey now. Run the breaking news. Alshon Jeffrey is worthless. You can cut him in fantasy football. You can cut him because his skills have clearly declined. Maybe he's no longer taking performance-enhancing substances. I don't know what the cause is, but 2016 Alshon Jeffrey was clearly not 2014 Alshon Jeffrey. 12.1 fantasy points per game, 35th in the league. Wah, wah, wah. And not only have his skills declined, he has one of the worst quarterbacks in the league in Jay Cutler. And he's about to miss four games. And when he comes back, he'll likely be worse because, like Ladarius Green, he won't be himself after a layoff. So I don't have to make a case for dropping Alshon Jeffrey. You have to make a case for not dropping him. And I haven't read one case for not dropping him that makes any sense. And because Alshon Jeffrey's 2016 season is effectively over, I'm absolutely buying Cameron Meredith. Cameron Meredith is a number one wide receiver in the NFL. But wait, wait, what happened? W wait a second. You just got done telling me that Jay Cutler is a terrible quarterback and we shouldn't be chasing wide receivers tethered to terrible quarterbacks. Exactly. You don't chase those wide receivers, but if you can acquire them at great value, of course you acquire the number one receiver at value if he's inexpensive. Cameron Meredith isn't expensive. DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson were very, 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 very expensive this summer. They were first rounder expensive. Cameron Meredith is much less expensive and yet just as athletic as some of those wide receivers. 1032, 95th percentile catch radius because he's fast. He has great burst. He has great agility. And he's 6'3". At 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a very close comparable to Tyrell Williams. Cameron Meredith is a discount Tyrell Williams right now. And he's translating his athleticism onto the field. Plus 18.4 production premium. Plus 23.3% target premium. When Bears quarterbacks target Cameron Meredith... He vastly outperforms the average Bears receiver. Plus 24.3% target premium is top 10 in the NFL. He's top 40 in yards per target. His catch rate is top 15. Why? Because Cameron Meredith hasn't dropped a pass all year. This is an exquisite football player now thrust into the number one wide receiver chair for an NFL team. And regardless of the quarterback, you need to roster that player and play him most weeks. So yes, buy Cameron Meredith. He can help you win a championship just like Tyrod Taylor, just like Ladarius Green. Robert Woods can also win you a championship. Robert Woods is this year's Doug Baldwin. All the forces are aligning for Robert Woods to have a monster second half. One of those forces is great quarterback play. Tyrod Taylor's playing well. And the unheralded volume slot receiver with the hyper-efficient mobile quarterback is well-positioned to exceed expectations in fantasy football because the mobile quarterback helps create more space in the middle of the field. That's the Doug Baldwin corollary. Russell Wilson creates more space in the middle of the field because he occupies linebackers, and that gives Doug Baldwin more room to operate. A short window that wouldn't exist with an immobile quarterback does exist 
when that quarterback is Russell Wilson or Tyrod Taylor or Rashard Matthews. I'm incredibly enthusiastic about Rashard Matthews for all the same reasons I'm enthusiastic about Robert Woods and Doug Baldwin for the remainder of the season. I'm excited about Doug Baldwin because Doug Baldwin's Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin falls into the Doug Baldwin corollary, so you must be excited about Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin could out Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin this year. So get Doug Baldwin in your lineups, get Robert Woods in your lineups, get Richard Matthews in your lineups. We first talked about the effect of quarterbacks on other skill position players when we talked about Robert Griffin III and his positive impact on Alfred Morris, the Alfred Morris corollary. Well, that extends to the wide receivers as well. But if you look in the backfield and you look at the running back position, on Seattle, for example, Russell Wilson will also create bigger, wider running lanes for C.J. Proceis and Thomas Rawls as the season goes on. If you listen to this show, you already own C.J. Proceis, but you should also be buying Thomas Rawls for that same reason. You buy Thomas Rawls just in case Seattle doesn't continue with its high-volume pass offense. If Pete Carroll decides to revert back to a run-heavy philosophy, then you need to own Thomas Rawls just in case. Just in case that happens. If Seattle gets a lot of second-half leads... As the Seahawks between the tackles grinder, Thomas Rawls will receive a lot of carries. And in 2015, Thomas Rawls converted a lot of carries into a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. I also think CJ Proceis' enthusiasm has reached critical levels. Thomas Rawls is back this week. I love CJ Proceis, but I'm also a realist. A realist that understands that Thomas Rawls is back this week. And in 2015, when Thomas Rawls was in the backfield, he received 23 carries against Cincinnati and rolled up 169 total yards. 30 carries against San Francisco, 255 yards because it's San Francisco, of course. But then against a good defense, Minnesota, 19 carries, 123 yards and a touchdown. That's Thomas Rawls. One of the better one-dimensional between-the-tackles grinders in the NFL. If you're going to start a between-the-tackles grinder, start him on a team that will be leaning on a second-half lead like the Seattle Seahawks, not Carlos Hyde, whose team is always playing from behind in the second half. The thing that can mute C.J. Proceis' fantasy output in the second half is game flow. We're going to have Aaron Coscarelli from the NFL Network's Fantasy and Friends show on the Underworld pod today. We'll talk to her about CJ Proceis specifically. Before we talk to Aaron, full disclosure, I've accepted some challenges on no halftime. And I've taken the other side of the CJ Proceis propositions. I am fading CJ Proceis in week 11. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I hate to admit it. But I went to the CJ Proceis player page on playerprofiler.com. I clicked play CJ Proceis on no halftime. And Player Profiler has a promo code with a deposit bonus for no halftime. Type in player100 and Player Profiler will give you a no halftime funding boost. So you can go out there and play Tyrod Taylor on no halftime. Go out there and play Ladarius Green on no halftime. Go out there and play Robert Woods on no halftime. I love no halftime because I can pick one or two players, underappreciated, under-the-radar players, who will benefit from the Doug Baldwin corollary and make my friends look like suckers and win a bunch of money in the process. Now, let's go talk to Erin Coscarelli. Watch her show, NFL Network's Fantasy and Friends, and follow her on Twitter at Erin, E-R-I-N, Coscarelli, C-O-S-C-A-R-E-L-L-I. 
Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program. Aaron Coscarelli, I was sweating that pronunciation. She is the host of the NFL Network's Fantasy and Friends show. Talk to me, Aaron Coscarelli. What's going on, Matt? How are you? I'm feeling great. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, someone from NFL Network emailed me and said, hey, I got Aaron Coscarelli. I got a couple other co-hosts. We'd love to have them on your podcast. And I said, are you serious? I could just say a name and they'll come on the show? <laughs> We're getting popular, Aaron, and I'm loving it. <laughs> well, I am so glad. It seems as though fantasy football, you can't talk enough about it. Uh, and I I'll tell you this much, Matt. It's a sad day for me. Uh, in fantasy because not only did I have CJ Anderson on my team so I am in our in the look all it is is bragging rights in our NFL experts fantasy league so it's all my colleagues at NFL Network there's Dave Damashek, Maurice Jones-Drew, Michael Fabiano so it's you know it's heavy hitters and I was undefeated for so long and then CJ Anderson took a hit so I was down CJ and then I don't know if you heard the news Kristen Michael Sayonara. He was my other second RB. So I'm really it's and I lost. I took an L this week. So it's been a it's been a down week for me so far. I don't know how you are how you're doing, Matt, but it's uh it's desperate times for me over here. Oh, all my fantasy teams are undefeated. (laughs) We're doing great. It's funny you mentioned uh, Michael Fabiano. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Our listeners disagree with Michael Fabiano's positions on some things. We do some fantasy football as professional wrestling on this show, and I happen to be the heel. Sweet. So that's how it works. Talk to us about your show, the Fantasy and Friends show. When can we see it, and what's it about? Okay. So the lowdown on Fantasy and Friends. It's a new show this year, and it's gotten uh, a lot of really awesome feedback And I think in large part because of how interactive uh, and engaged we are with guests. So it's really cool. We we have we tend to have, you know, uh, three to four Skype callers and it's just regular callers, fans of the show, viewers of 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 NFL Network or or really any sports uh, shows. And they just come on and we interact with them the entire show. We bring them on the very beginning. And then, you know, with the the really cool thing is uh, for actually a really awesome story. We had um, we had a Pittsburgh fan on. And it was a girl, and we had Lev Bell because, of course, MJD, Maurice Jones-Drew, knows everybody in the NFL. He's Lev. kind of a big deal. Uh, and his connections are legit. He gets Lev Bell on the show. The fan of the Steelers, who was just a Skype caller calling in, got to literally have a side-by-side. She, she asked him a question. I can't remember what it was. But just the fact that we can bring fans up close and personal to their favorite football stars. It's pretty cool, and it's just a fun show. I mean, really, it's, 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 it's got cool graphics. It's very, um, it engages with a younger audience. I enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun, and, of course, we make fun of each other on a daily basis, which is probably my favorite part. It airs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Michael Fabiano sometimes comes on that show. We are very much... Zero RB on this show. We recommend wide receiver heavy drafts. Michael Fabiano is the sure. antithesis. Opposite. He wants robust RB. He likes the early round running backs. So he really has become a show nemesis. So I would love to pass on a message to Michael Fabiano. 
<laughs> from Matt Kelly, the pod father. How's Todd Gurley doing, Mr. First Round Running Back? Oh. Todd Gurley. <laughs> We posted a poll earlier. Who's the biggest bust of the year? Oh, man. It was a tie. It was down the middle. It was 50-50. DeAndre Hopkins on one side, Todd Gurley on the other. Mm. Oof. I know. Isn't that funny? you got to appreciate his loyalty, though. I mean, he really, he's standing pat on his uh, on his theories, and uh, it hasn't worked out for him so far this year. In fact, in the NFL Expert Fantasy League, he's, I want to say, second worst or has the worst record, and there's nothing more enjoyable. Because oh! I love Fab. Oh! But there's nothing more enjoyable oh! than rubbing it in. Oh! Just a little bit. Oh, that feels so good! <laughs> oh, that, that knowledge! That knowledge, it just it tickled my brain! Oh, that felt so good to hear that! <laughs> the nemesis, Michael Fabiano. <laughs> The anti-zero RB fantasy football analyst Michael Fabiano is at or near last place. Woof, that's a feel-good moment right there for us on this show. You're welcome. Yeah, it's pretty enjoyable, especially when he's in desperate mode trying to trade everybody and everything so that he has a chance. But he has no chance, Matt. He's done. He's out. There's no chance for him. There was an insightful article written by Matt Harmon on NFL.com in August talking about the challenges that Todd Gurley would face this year, all the external forces working against him. Oh, boy, was he right. (laughs) He stated flatly, don't draft Todd Gurley. Yeah. And it ended up on the NFL.com Twitter feed. And guess who replied to Matt Harmon? Uh, Fab. Todd Gurley. Oh, Todd Gurley. What? Todd Gurley did not appreciate being trolled by an NFL.com writer. And you could see Matt Harmon backpedaling. It's just because of your ADP, Todd. I know you probably don't play a lot of fantasy football, but how it works is if you're being drafted in the first round, you have to return a certain value, and it's it's opportunity cost, and uh... <laughs> Wow. That's crazy. Apparently yesterday, uh, Chris Wessling, who's also a uh, writer for NFL.com, uh, Todd Gurley replied to him, I guess he just said that he hasn't had a certain amount of rushing yards or rushing attempts or something very subpar. And Todd Gurley responded to him saying, and I don't know if it's on his feet, yes. you might want to check, but he said, thanks for the reminder. Whoops. So I guess Todd Gurley gets his tweets. He reads them. Todd Gurley has no patience for being trolled on the internet. None, and I love that. I wish more athletes would be unafraid to come out and defend themselves on social media, but it's a losing game. I'm sure you've had interactions that haven't been great on Twitter. Oh, sure. I call my audience the buzzards. You have the audience actually dial in on Skype to your show, which is one of the main reasons I want to watch now is to see how y'all interact with your audience. My audience are mostly buzzards, and they (laughs) like to remind me when I'm wrong, Right, and they like to make fun of mistakes I make, even the most esoteric thing that I get wrong. (laughs) Someone in the audience will find a way to make fun of me about it. I can't imagine if you had such a big platform what the blowback is like because in sports, this is where everyone thinks that they can be the smartest guy in the room. Of course. 
and they're always looking for that little nugget of information that they can share with you to let you know, A, you were wrong, and B, I knew this and you didn't. And that's what makes NFL so fun, right? Because not only do you have passionate fans from their own fan base, right? For instance, Rams, Rams fans excited that, you know, the Rams are coming to L.A. and they buy their season tickets and then, you know, very little uh, action, if you will, from Todd Gurley. But also imagine the fantasy football owners. I mean, it's, it's week after week. I mean, literally, where MJD goes, because, you know, MJD does the Rams uh, radio call. So he's the play um the color analyst uh, for ESPN uh, radio broadcast. So he has a very much a close up close and personal perspective of, of the Rams team and the offense. And every week he's like, this is the week this is going to happen because it's so crazy that Todd Gurley, who was so good last year is struggling, but it's, it's really not his fault. I mean, and it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, we talked about it yesterday now with Jared Goff. I mean, it just seems like it's, <laughs> again, they're going to rely on, on Todd Gurley to run the ball. Uh, but it's, it's, it's frustrating. And I can imagine how frustrated he is himself because you didn't see this Todd Gurley last year. Any change is good for him. I think Goff can only be good for him because it couldn't get any worse at this point. I know. Long runs are very difficult to predict. And one of the ways that we as analysts and fans get fooled by randomness in the NFL is by the long run. The long runs can come in bunches. Of course. And then there can be long stretches where you don't have any long runs. And I think Todd Gurley's just in a stretch right now where he hasn't had a long run. Mm -hmm. If you have a certain talent level, then those long runs are going to come. It's just a matter of random chance and what games they happen to arrive. That's why you shouldn't be selling Todd Gurley in any league, even though he's not an RB1 in fantasy. Clearly... Sure. All it takes is a couple bunched up long runs, and he's the highest scoring running back in fantasy that week. Right. And everybody's excited about him. It really only takes one week for that to happen. And that's what makes fantasy football so fun and yet so frustrating at the same time. <laughs> frustrating. You lost Kristen Michael. Right. Others had Matt Jones relegated. There's been some bad running backs right. that performed well early in the season, and they fooled us with some randomness. Yes. And then... How dare they? As the sample size plays out, suddenly they're on the bench. Then, in Kristen Michael's case, they're cut. Sure. Did you happen to pick up the C.J. Procise kid? Well, that's the problem, and I'm glad that you brought it up, uh, Matt, because not only have I, I think I'm on a three-game now losing streak, I, in desperate measures, tried to pick up ProSci and, uh, and Rawls. I put, a, uh, put in a request, didn't get it, no luck for me, so I picked up Dixon. I'm hoping maybe I can bait somebody into getting me to, uh, to, to trade them, uh, to trade me a running back. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm busted up. I have Kevin Coleman who's expected maybe in a week or two, I guess. Uh, I, I had Kristen Michael, who's waived. I mean, I wouldn't even pick him up if this, or consider starting him even if he went to another team. Uh, and no, no. and uh, uh, James White, get excited, people. That's my running back team. Wow, yeah, challenging situation for your running backs. I like the pickup of Kenneth Dixon because he could be C.J. Procise a week from now because Terrence West is no different than Kristen Michael. This is a journeyman guy, just a dude guy, running back that's not particularly active out of the backfield on passing downs. Right. Kenneth Dixon is more of an every-down, all-phase, all-terrain running back, and 
one bad game from Terrence West, like Kristen Michael had against the Patriots, suddenly Kenneth Dixon becomes the main guy and is soaking up three, four, five receptions out of the backfield, just like right. you saw with C.J. Proceis. C.J. Proceis is a slick receiver. So is Kenneth Dixon. Right. The highlight reel on Kenneth Dixon from Louisiana Tech, especially out of the passing game, they would send him downfield, and he would convert long receptions like a receiver. And he's big enough, 5'10", 215. Big, he has bursts. He's active in the passing game. Mm-hmm. He's the right guy to stash if you couldn't get C.J. Procise. So yeah. they both have talent. They were both drafted in about the same draft position. They were both have very high college target shares. That's one of the things we like to look at on this show. How active was that player in the passing game in college? That's the one thing James White had going for him. Wasn't productive at Wisconsin, right. but was very very active in the passing game. And if you can get a guy that's both efficient in the run game, active in the pass game, that's CJ Procise and that's Kenneth Dixon. Yeah, and the reason why I was excited about James was he was paired with Tom Brady, and that's kind of what you're seeing with CJ Procise is Russell Wilson down the stretch really coming to his own. I know he was battling some injuries earlier in the season, but what I like from Russell Wilson and what you saw down the stretch last year is how good he is throwing his laser-like balls. You know, he's just very good, and it seems as though him and CJ have that type of connection, um, and that just booted Kristen Michael out the door. Sorry about it, Kristen Michael. You've been waived, which was I was really surprised because, in my opinion, the vulnerability of Thomas Rawls, I know he's coming back, and I know that, uh, you know, uh, Pete Carroll said he's, quote, ready to go, but one little injury to Thomas Rawls that sets him back, I, I don't know, I guess they go with the rookie, uh, the other rookie. Yeah, they go with Alex Collins. Right. Kristen Michael's not very good at football, <laughs> and you could see he's sort of stumbling around out there when a hold doesn't develop or a running lane doesn't open up for him. Right. Reminded me a lot of Andre Williams. Oh, yeah. Big, athletic, but when the ball's in their hands, you never know if they know where to go. Right. Yeah, right. And and you're seeing that. I mean, you mentioned Matt Jones earlier, too. You're seeing Rob Kelly take uh, take his position as well. And of course, the fumbles. What has he? He's, he had three fumbles, and I think he's like, he's lost two. You know, that's the quickest way to put your derriere on the bench, uh, in my opinion. You know? Well, I like Rob so. Kelly because his last name's Kelly, and he spells <laughs> it K E L L E Y. That's how I spell my name. So I'm a fan of that. It's a very symmetrical last name. And- <laughs> And Rob has that, so sure. I'm a fan of him. Even though he's not very athletic, he's a more efficient runner, sure. so he can make up for the lack of burst and agility that Matt Jones has right. by being a more efficient player. You saw it Sunday night. Mm-hmm. It was stark. Seeing C.J. Procise run and then watching Kristen Michael run, you could see with Kristen Michael a lot of wasted motion. Yeah. With C.J. Procise, much more efficient. And the beauty is we're seeing now efficient Russell Wilson. It's deja vu. Sure. This exact thing happened last year, Aaron. The exact timeline to the week. Don't remind me because Doug Baldwin went off and he was on my bench. I mean, it's just I'm upset. I'm up, and no one more. I, no one to blame but myself at this stage of the game. But yeah, you're right. Last year, uh, this was the week, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was like week ten, week eleven. Yeah. 
and he was firing on all cylinders. Flip the switch. Yeah. You can't get Doug Baldwin. A lot of trading deadlines are over, and sure. people understand that Doug Baldwin is coming. He's on that WR1 trajectory now as long as Russell Wilson continues to play well. Right. So then the question is, who's this year's Doug Baldwin? And I think it might be Ooh. Robert Woods on Buffalo. Sure. Because Tyrod Taylor looks like Russell Wilson East, and yeah. Robert Woods is that slot receiver turned number one receiver right. out of necessity. And that's really what Doug Baldwin is after Golden Tate left Seattle. Right. Yeah. And uh, as far as Buffalo is concerned, Robert Woods really stepped up in uh, Sammy Watkins' absence. And you, you got to wonder, uh, you know, I, I, I believe Watkins can come back as early as week 12. But let's say he's, he's back in. And I don't know who they play week 13. You wonder if uh, if Sammy Watkins is going to be uh, relegated to more of a wide receiver too because of the of the chemistry he has uh, of, of Bobby Woods has with uh, with Tyrod Taylor. You wonder, you know. Bobby Woods, I love that. Yeah. Bobby Woods. <laughs> We're not holding our breath on Sammy Watkins. If you're out there holding your breath on Sammy Watkins, just please breathe. Right. Stop holding your breath. You're gonna die. <laughs> I know. Trying to hold your breath. For Sammy Watkins, just like what we saw with Des Bryant last year, this was a lost season for Sammy Watkins because of the foot injury. And even Julian Edelman is struggling to come back from the foot injury. He's still on the injury report every week with foot soreness. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate red flag in the offseason if a wide receiver in particular has a foot problem. That's why we weren't drafting Sammy Watkins in any leagues. Right. We're not doctors, though, but we still have on playerprofiler.com, we have a medical history, and we have lots of data on foot injuries, right. and it's always bad. And Robert Woods was a pretty productive player at USC. Yeah. And in this role as the number one receiver, he's going to get a lot of receptions for the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's what's kind of cool about our particular show is we're, you know, with Fantasy and Friends, we're developing the sense of what's going on uh, even before the rest of, uh, you know, the nation is, if you will, in those guys. I mean, we were talking about Robert Woods even when Sammy Watkins was not quote-unquote, you know, on IR and not quote-unquote on the injury report officially. Uh, and you even mentioned Rob Kelly. I mean, Adam Rank was talking about him. He wasn't even on the waiver wire. I tried. I was so desperate. I mean, the good thing about our show is there's always an option. For me, I want to pull my hair out. I mean, just especially because you see your bench and then and then you have, you know, injuries. That's obviously at the running back position, which is so depleted right now. But the great thing is we have uh, so many segments. We have a uh, dumpster dive where we pick up, we find guys, we pick them up uh, and they can get you some good value on uh, on your roster. And we've been talking about Robert Woods and how good he's been for a really long time now. Robert Woods is one. Uh, Richard Matthews is another one. Yep. Not necessarily incredible talents. Sure. But in the right place at the right time with the right quarterback, a wide receiver could be a real productive asset for you. Yeah. Uh, I have a daughter named Vivian, and she loves football. Her favorite player is Teddy Bridgewater, and that was really sad. Aww. She likes Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy Bridgewater sounds like a stuffed animal who saved a town from a flood. <laughs> And I was watching this HBO Real Sports special with my wife last night. And they did this piece on women in sports broadcasting. Ah, yes. 
I was surprised by their approach because at Real Sports, we're Real Sports, hard-hitting journalism, yes. Ask the tough questions, yes. Well, except they acknowledge that women have shorter careers in sports broadcast journalism, what they called in quotes, a shelf life. I Mm -hmm. objected to that phrase. Mm -hmm. They rationalized it with this, oh, it's a visual medium, and then... I turn on the television and I see Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson on the set after a woman 25 years younger than them was reassigned for no reason by Fox. Right. Other than her age. And my wife and I are looking at each other watching this segment on Real Sports thinking, this is a big issue. No, they're not talking about it. They're talking about, oh, the female broadcasters that are reassigned, they have to start new careers. Right. And I look at my wife like, uh, they're not asking Terry Bradshaw to start a new career. They're not asking Jimmy Johnson to start a new career. And yet there's Bryant Gumbel slapping John Frankel on the back saying, hey, thanks for doing that piece for us, John. That was a real awkward And like everything about that piece, Aaron, kind of bothered me. I walked away thinking, I think they missed the mark with that segment. So did you see that segment? And have you run into that phenomenon that they were reporting on? Yeah, I did see uh, that segment. I found it interesting a lot because of obvious connections and the, the, you know, how I could relate or not relate in some, in many ways, because of, I'm a female and I've been doing sports broadcasting my entire career since covering uh, the football team at USC when I was in college. And uh, it wasn't even popular at the time to be a sports broadcaster. There was no Aaron Andrews when I was in college to, to look at and go, the cool thing about it is it's becoming so popular. Women wanting to cover sports and not just football, but, but the Olympics and, you know, and you're seeing much more of a female presence in the industry. And of course, you're going to get those naysayers. I mean, and you, you're, I, I get it on Twitter. You're, you're going to get criticism, if you will, regardless of what you do. But what I say is a lot of male broadcasters didn't necessarily uh, play sports and they get the opportunity to call games, uh, to be analysts, to have an opinion. Why can't I? So, yeah, I saw the piece in many ways. I couldn't always uh, relate to it. The one positive uh, that I did take from it is people are talking about it. People are talking about female of sports broadcasters and to me i think that 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 alone is very cool because you're just seeing it more uh and more prevalent all throughout sports and i think it's it's only going to become more popular you're only going to see more of a female influence and i think that's very cool uh in, in in large part because you know i love sports i'm very passionate about it i played it my whole life i had two older brothers and my dad and many of my favorite memories and the reason why i love covering sports is the memories you just draw from watching sports on TV. I mean, how, how how many times do you have fond memories, whether it's with your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister, just watching sports or going to a game or getting to tailgate? Sports brings people together. Um, and the fact that women are becoming more popular, you know, it, it used to be, and I read a great article about how difficult it was for female writers to even be in a locker room. To now, no one really bats an eye. Maybe they do, but it's, it, it, if, if that's the case, it's very rare and it's not what it used to be. So I'm excited to be a part of the female quote-unquote movement, if you will, um, and to be able to have an opinion and be embraced by fellow colleagues, male and female, uh, and cover the sports that I love, you know? So 
I did see it. Thought it was interesting. I I could relate to some degree. I wanted a little more bite. Right. I wanted a little more sharpness. Sure. A little more edge. Yeah. A lot of times they'll come hard at corporations that aren't being responsible. But when it comes to reporting on their own industry, even the leader in Sports News Magazine, I thought, treaded softly sure. on the issue. And it was a mild objection. I agree with you that it was just a positive thing to introduce the issue. Right. And me personally, watching your highlight reel, I love the energy and the enthusiasm that you bring to the table. I love colorful personalities in sports. Right. Anything we can do to tap into as large of a base as possible, sure. men and women, right. to bring the most colorful, most engaging personalities to sports, that's all I'm in favor of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what we get to do for a living, you as well, Matt, we get to engage with athletes or other passionate fantasy players and that's what we do for a living, and I'm just fortunate that I get to come in every day and laugh and engage. And, you know, why I, I, I enjoy the Fox, you know, you, you talk about Bradshaw and Howie Long and Jimmy Johnson. They're having fun. Oh, my God. That's they're, right. They're having so much fun. So if they're having fun and they're talking about sports for a living, and it's been on, how long has that pre-game show been on forever, right? I mean, if it seems as though it's working why aren't we having fun talking about sports is supposed to be entertainment, you know? So that's what we say. Sports entertainment. It's not supposed to be taken too seriously. Sure. They've been beating the CBS pregame show for decades. Right. I feel so bad for the people at CBS trying to beat that show. Let's get a whole new crop of athletes. Shannon Sharp. Okay. He's out. Let's bring in another tight end. How about Tony Gonzalez? <laughs> You know, regardless, I, I flipped through a lot of the channels. I watched the CBS halftime show. I checked out uh, Fox's pregame show. NFL Network has a great show. Um, I like to, to get the temperature, ESPN, I like to get the temperature of all the networks uh, and just see how they do things because it's fun. It's enjoyable and nothing more exciting uh, than setting my lineup Sunday morning, late Saturday, just in case there's any last minute injury game time decisions. Uh, and then I'm, I, I feel rather important. I feel like a little GM. I'm like, ooh, yeah. who do I put in here? This is, and then I, I either really love myself or I want to punch myself at the end of a Sunday night, Monday, Monday morning. <laughs> I will say this in terms of fantasy coverage. NFL Network is doing it right. Thank you. They have learned what works from some of these other shows. And it's sure. clear that you all have created an atmosphere where you're having fun. And I think this show epitomizes that. Thank you. And I really, that actually, I really appreciate that because I, I think there's, there's no uh, shortage of research that we do and um, gauging the temperature of our audience. I mean, that's really what we love. We love interacting with, uh, with people at home and there's no quicker or instant uh, gratification than, um, hearing what they think and then and then and then featuring it on live tv you know they there's so much involvement for for fans and and people at home uh where you know they can either skype call or they can tweet or you know we do a daily poll um because you can get news just general news anywhere uh injecting personality and opinions and fun and you know uh, 
is very snarky. I mean, we're really, sar- you know, Adam Rank is very uh, sarcastic and we make fun of it. You can't, you can't read that on a tablet at home. You have to w- tune in. You have to watch. Uh, so it's a, it's a cool show. And thank you. I really appreciate the feedback, Matt. That's cool. <laughs> NFL Network, Fantasy and Friends, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Aaron Coscarelli, I'll let you get out of here. Okay, thanks, Matt. That was fun. You've been great. Doug Baldwin falls into the Doug Baldwin corollary, so you must be excited about Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin could out Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin this year. But he has no chance, Matt. He's done. He's out. There's no chance for him. She is the... (laughs) Did I screw it up? (laughs) No, I'm laughing. Oh, I thought I screwed up the pronunciation. There's no chance for him.